once, I have a nuanced opinion about this one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know what? For once, I don't. I'll tell you that up front. <laughs> All right. Well, fresh out the oven, it's Cinema Bums. I'm Emmett. And I'm Wade. Cinema Bums is a podcast where we watch through every single movie and popular film franchises, one each week, to try and track how the storytelling changes over time. Today, we are continuing our miniseries, Cold Boy Summer, covering all the films in the Twilight series. We will fully spoil today's film, but we will not spoil any future entries in the series. Wade, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing good, Emmett. Thank you for asking. I watched a great movie last night. Uh-huh. And I'm still feeling pretty good about it. I assume that the great movie was not this movie. (laughs) What movie was it? It's a different one. It's called The Mitchells (laughs) vs. The Machines. Ooh, okay. It was supposed to come out in theaters last year, but because of COVID, it's now a Netflix original, so it just dropped on Netflix. Okay. It's an animated movie by the studio that did Spider-Verse, and it's like very similar visually to Spider-Verse. Ooh. It's about this awkward, queer, film nerd, teenage girl who just wants to move away from her family and go to California and go to film school. And her family takes her on one last road trip across the country to take her there. And then on the trip, the robot apocalypse happens. Oh, that's so cool. (laughs) And they have to learn to band together and to like each other to like save everyone else in the world. That sounds incredible. It's great. So that's my recommendation. I guess it will be like two months old by the time anyone hears this, but that's my recommendation. Right on. Uh, and Emmett, mm-hmm. I want you to know that I'm taking being a better host on this podcast seriously. So this week I have thought about what the protagonist wants. Okay. And I have also remembered to ask you, how are you doing? Oh, well, I am doing very well. It's rare that we do a recording during the day, and I just feel mm-hmm. I feel pepped up. Honestly, I've had a lot of coffee. You might hear there's a little bit more energy in my voice. You might be used to the more late late night in it, a little it's that that sleazy e <laughs> energy, if you will. But you God have got you've got the full deal this morning. I mean, I'm especially doing well because today we are honored to have not one, but two very special guests. They are two best friends whose podcast is currently discussing Avatar The Last Airbender. And depending on how this goes, they may or may not discuss Twilight in the future. Please welcome from the fan base podcast, Knives and VK! How are y'all doing? I'm doing great. I'm so excited to get into this with y'all. Like this, Veronica and I, I think we discussed that on like our first episode. Twilight is one of the first friendship bonds that we had, the Twilight Mm. series. So we have lots of memories over this series. Incredible. (laughs) So many memories. (laughs) Some of them embarrassing. And you were fans like of the books, right? Before yes. even the movies came out? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, oh fan, my god. <laughs> we mean, Obsessed. like, annotated books highlighted with tabs <laughs> and color-coded. Um, that's who we were. And the shirts? You had, like, the, the Edward Cullen shirts and everything? Never, never had the I shirt. Ne- yeah, never could afford the Hot Topic shirts. Um, yeah, but I always wanted it. Tried it on and took a few grainy pictures. Mm-hmm. My flip phone. Those flip phone pictures. That we made our own. <laughs> oh, even better. 
so that's kind of the previous experience with the books. But what about with the movies? What's your previous experience uh, watching these these works of cinema? So uh, when it comes to the movies, we it was always a big event. Like we all always went out to go see the movies. It was always you know a, a tween girl's dream. <laughs> to band together and go check out these movies. Mm-hmm. So when I remember the movies, I just think about friendships mm. and other people a lot more than the movies yeah. themselves. I can't exactly remember. Like, I was like, did we even go to the midnight premiere of this one or not? Like, I can't remember if that was more of the Breaking Dawn times. Mm. The amount that, of discussion that we would have about <laughs> the Team Edward versus Team Jacob drama that definitely rears his head drama. during this episode, during this movie. You brought it up, so we're just going to put it to you. Oh, <laughs> knives, you start. Where do you fall? Team Edward or Team Jacob? Always been Team Edward from the jump. Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, yeah. And Veronica, where do you fall on this question? Team Eddie, baby. Ooh. Team oh, Edward am- is it for me. For so many reasons. This is why Knives and I connected. It was like, oh, <laughs> Team Edward, Team Edward, good. We'll stay, we'll, we'll stick God. together forever. <laughs> Jacob is a creep. <laughs> Jacob would be arrested if this movie came out in 2021. <laughs> That's what I have to say about this one. That's fair. Uh, exactly. Both of them would be, actually. Yeah, no, you're I feel right. like both of you're them right. are pretty creepy and pretty arrestable. Yeah. No, but I also did like Jacob, too. He was okay. He was doing too much for me. <laughs> well, the writing is certainly biased. The writing is biased. <laughs> they mm-hmm. definitely want, you know, Edward and Bella together. Yeah. My take on this is that if Jacob had been played by a better actor in these movies, there would be a little bit more parody of, like, who we thought she should end up with. I mean, I am Team Jacob. But that is more an ideological stand than it is like anything about the acting in this in these movies. I think you're right, Emmett, because it feels like he has the worst written stuff and they've given it to the worst actor. Yeah. Which yeah. is like a particularly deadly combination. Yes, yes. I think it's like I think this movie has like compelling setups like a compelling structure for what it's trying to do and Mm -hmm. doesn't pull it off because of both of those things the bad writing and the really bad acting i was gonna say you guys were into them when they were coming out have you like watched them throughout the years since have you revisited them recently oh yeah i have (laughs) (laughs) uh this is the first time i have gotten anywhere close to these movies mm. since being 15. <laughs> Me too. I'm 16, in the exact whatever. same boat. Yeah. So watching it, I was like, woo, baby! This is <laughs> so much. So we still have um, cable. <laughs> Most nice. people don't. <laughs> nice. But yeah, whenever it comes on TV, like even if it's on like the Spanish channel or something, I'm just like, if I it's a, a late night, I'm having a drink, I'm like, eh, let's watch Twilight again. <laughs> Again. <laughs> and again and again. And again and again. This is the last one in the series that I have seen. I did not ever see the fourth or the fifth. Uh, I was just exhausted after watching this one. I did see this one in theaters uh, back when I was uh, 15. Oh. And the thing about living on an island is that there is no movie theater here. So oh. we had to drive two and a half hours and take a boat ride to get to the movie theater. So it's a commitment. And when we went up to watch this movie, I was like, that's the last time I'm wasting that much time on a movie I don't want to see. 
Who dragged you to go see it? I wasn't going to talk about this because it's a little weird, but... (laughs) I was 15. I was working at a surf camp. I was uh, teaching kids, helping teach kids how to surf. There was a woman working there who was 23, who I had like a flirtation with. If you're 15 and you're flirting with a 23-year-old, good for you. If you're 23 and flirting with a 15-year-old, not great. So, no. uh, but that is who I went to go see that movie with. Oh, God. I mentioned last time that I went to the midnight premiere of New Moon, uh-huh. which was also partially because I was dating a girl who was very into Twilight at the time. And we broke up in the few months between these movies. So this was sort of like the end of it for me as well. Although I did, I saw this one and the next two in theaters, but I think it was like at the $2 theater, like a couple of months after they had come out. Mm -hmm. Like some, in the very short time between the last one and this one coming out, because they're like six months apart. Really? Yeah. Now, Wade, you might be able to, to answer this. Were they doing that Lord of the Rings thing where they just filmed all five of them at the same time and released, like, then edited them and, ch- like, chunked them out? Or were they really just producing individual movies, one every eight months? I mean, they were doing them as separate movies, but the cast had, I think I read, a month off between filming New Moon and filming this. Like, this was entirely filmed by the time New Moon came out. That makes sense. That's bringing up memories for me now, actually. Yeah, because they just kept on coming out. I, I remember that, actually, of like being like, whoa, they're back on location already. You're following the locations of where they were shooting? <laughs> Total fangirl. I'm not <laughs> joking. Yeah. But I, did, I did have a question about that. Where did they shoot this? Do you, do you remember? I'll look it up. I know the first one was Portland, and the second one was... Canada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like it was mostly Vancouver, but now I can't remember. That makes sense. Yeah, that's what this is saying to Vancouver. So they usually shoot a lot of that Seattle and Washington stuff in Vancouver and then get like one exterior shot of Seattle to throw in because it's so much more <laughs> expensive to shoot in Seattle than in Canada. Emmett, as someone who's actually lived in the Pacific Northwest, how accurate are these movies to you? Well, I was going to bring this up a little bit later, but I will say the part where they're like... They're like, so many people are dying, going missing, it's going to cause some trouble, and the vampire council is going to know about it and freak out. I was like, you're talking about Seattle. That would be the best place in the world to be a vampire. Like, (laughs) it is like a grungy place. People going missing and getting killed. Do you know how many serial killers are from Washington State? You know, it's it's just like, it's a breeding ground for depression and violence. Um, and so that's that's my thought on it. I would say accurate, an accurate depiction. Not to be too much of a downer about it. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, whew. Being in Seattle would make you want to drink human blood. That's all I can say. <laughs> so this is the part where I'm supposed to tell you what happened in this movie. Give the listener a little quick summary of what happens in this movie. It's going to be tough. At the end of the last movie, Edward has proposed to Bella. This whole movie is the period between when he proposes and when she answers essentially is like what it boils down to. They really stretched that out. She was really like, let's tease out for as long as we possibly can, whether it's going to be a, like whether she's going to say yes or no. Hasn't she said no? She said no Mm -hmm. at the very beginning of this movie. Cause the, the first lines in this movie are the, also the same as the last lines of the other movies like marry me. And she's like, no. And he's like, marry me. 
She says, no, not gonna. And all this, like, all this stuff. And eventually, you know, she, she comes around to yes by the end of this movie. But we've really, like, overall, the meta plot of what's going on in this series has been advanced by, like, a moment. Fans will remember that there was a little bit of tension between Jacob and Edward in the last film over who was going to win the hearts of dear Bella. It's still going on in this movie and it's, it's <laughs> ratcheted up. Now Jacob is all hurt because Bella's with Edward again and he's angry and he's like more fully decided that he's going to be a werewolf and he's cool with that. And he's just like walking around with his shirt off all the time uh, and he's feeling uncomfortable. The actor is feeling uncomfortable about, about that all the time. Mm-hmm. Also, our big bad, Victoria, who we were introduced to in the first Twilight film, is plotting an attack on Bella by creating an army of newborn vampires by going around and biting a bunch of vampires. And the lore on this is that newborn vampires are the most ravenous and bloodthirsty and the most powerful out of any vampires, which kind of doesn't make sense, but that's okay. They, they're they more vicious and have less control. Kind of like a baby rattlesnake, you know? It's like, it's going <laughs> to give you the full venom if it bites you, but an adult rattlesnake, it might not. And then at the end, there's a big war and the werewolves help, and the werewolves and the vampires come to a tacit truce, which I thought they already had a tacit truce, so that character arc was also confusing to me. And then there's a war, they win, and we're never really sure whether the Volturi were behind it or not. But Victoria is dead. We have graduated from Darth Vader to the Emperor in this movie, if you will. Wade, what are the stats? What are the quick stats on this film? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I, for one, was shocked to read that this movie had a director. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) Oh, we acting up. (laughs) Directed by David Slade, whose name sounds like someone Batman fights in Act 1 of the story. He had previously uh, directed Hard Candy and 30 Days of Night, so two other horror movies. Okay. He has directed no films since. (laughs) (laughs) So would you say that the failure of this movie eclipses his uh, previous career? Well, this movie is actually very successful, despite how it may or may not play today. Oh, yeah. We waited in lines to see this movie. (laughs) <laughs> don't mean to interrupt you, but we like wow. I remember the moment in, in the movie when uh, Edward and Jacob are in each other's face and in, in Eclipse watching it in in the theater and hearing all uh-huh. the girls like, "Oh my god, I'm Team Jacob!" <laughs> no, I'm Team Edward. Oh my god, screaming like, at uh, each other. <laughs> the energy, like screaming at each other, screaming at the screen. It, it's, it's a big deal. I was just screaming, "Kiss, kiss, kiss." <laughs> <laughs> They do have a lot of tension with each other in that tent scene. Oh, the best scene in the movie. Hands down, best scene in the movie. (laughs) This one, unlike the last two, feels like it has like moments for the fans that they have put in very much. That is one of my like main things about this film is rewatching it. I was like Oh my god, this literally is a fan service film. Like every mm-hmm. like the I'm hotter than you. Like come <laughs> on. <laughs> like, 
And then just he ever put his shirt on? Yeah. Yeah, uh This one was written by Melissa Rosenberg, as with all the others. It was based on the 2007 novel Eclipse and the 2010 novella The Short Second Life of Brie Tanner, which were both by Stephanie Meyer. So this other thing, the second life was like a tie-in novel for the movie, but she had everyone who worked on the movie read it early. And it's like a a short novel from the tale of the young newborn female vampire who they let live and then the Volturi kill at the end. Mm -hmm. So that's why she's kind of like in some shots of this film. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing about her story like made sense in the film, but I remember like her whole story. Like I remember being like reading fan fiction, hoping that like Brie was still alive, oh, and like whoa. like she was like a character in the book. <laughs> how how uh, did you read the uh, the novella? You know what? I actually don't remember reading it, and I now that you're saying Me that either. like the movie was based on that. Like, it makes sense if she gave it to the cast beforehand, but I don't think the book was released, the novella was released until, like, when does it say it was released? It was, like, I think it was, like, a month after the movie. It was, like, to tie in with the movie, yeah. I don't remember that at all. But I remember her story. Wait, did I read it? Actually, because now I'm remembering a lot about her story. (laughs) (laughs) It's also not just her story. Like, the fact that this movie has a structure as opposed to the other two is because of that, because all of the other, like the army building, everything with the bad guys is from that book. Because mm-hmm. in the book Eclipse, it's just like the last two movies where the bad guys just show up without you ever having heard of them in the last 30 minutes. And you're just like, oh, this is a thing now. <laughs> but in this one, like it starts with the bad guys mm-hmm. and we keep cutting to them throughout the whole thing, building up to the end. That's all from that other novel from their perspective unbelievable that was adapted into this so you're saying that as bad as this movie is it is still better than the book as written i mean i think on all of the ones we've seen so far melissa rosenberg is like making smart choices yeah 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 in terms of how to adapt these books into films i mean they will always be better books i think to a Mm. lot of fans and to me at Mm. least because I had complete creative agency in my mind of everything that happened. So I'm going to be like, the books are going to be it. Yeah. Movies are entertaining growing up, but the books, chef's kiss. Um, This one has a score by Howard Shore. So we're three for three in terms of different composers. He's the Lord of the Rings guy. And this one runs uh, two hours and three minutes long. It is the second longest in the series. How did you guys feel about the pace that this one goes at? It started to drag like halfway through. I felt like the whole ping pong between Jacob, Edward, and Bella like, oh, no, I'm with Edward. And no, I'm going to be a vampire. And then like, oh, no, but Jacob, I'm kind of like with you too. And that kind of went on for super long. Mm. After three movies, it's like, okay, you can, we we really get it. (laughs) And so I think that's where it was like, ugh. All right. And then she kisses Edward, and I'm like, okay. Um, I mean, a Jacob in front of Edward. And I'm like, we could have did that 30 minutes ago. But that's what I was looking for. That right there. Thank you. I don't like the training montage. I think that's really dumb. No. I th- that's where it like really started to drag for me. I was like, what are we doing? I thought that the battle was like 
going to happen pretty soon after that and then there was another 40 minutes until anything happened <laughs> and i was like oh this is this is really bad i also liked in this training montage the werewolves show up to train about how to fight vampires and then just sit there and watch <laughs> the whole time because this movie did not have the budget for the cgi to have those wolves do anything <laughs> Yeah, I like that montage just because you can see how seriously the actor playing Jasper is taking everything. <laughs> like, you can tell that guy is, like, a method actor, and he's like, this is my shot. This, <laughs> that scene. this guy watched Edward Scissorhands every day for a year to prepare for that role. <laughs> He is channeling young Johnny Depp in just, like, such a way. And also... Oh my god, yes! His southern well, accent does not exist in this movie until we get the flashback of him having been a Confederate are... soldier, oh, and okay. then he's got a southern accent for the rest of the movie. I thought I was the only one. I was like, when did this... And it, and it slowly came on. At first he was like, well, I do like my latest, whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, uh, that's is that an accent? And then by the end of the movie, it's full-blown, deep southern Bible bell. I'm like, whoa, bro, what? And then it's like, you fought in the Confederate Army? Yeah. Yes. Ew, like, why couldn't, no. He could have he been from the Union Army. There's just a, there's yes. like, no, there's no reason for that there whatsoever. There's no reason. There was no reason. No. But only to stress me out. <laughs> this is that classic Twilight twist where for two movies, they're like, hey, this guy's kind of hot in the background. You probably like this guy. And then they're like, he's a Confederate soldier. <laughs> And then they're like, he murdered a child. <laughs> Not just one. Hundreds. <laughs> this one was released on June 30th, 2010 uh -huh. by Summit Entertainment. That's seven months, almost exactly, after New Moon. It's the only one in the series that didn't come out at Thanksgiving. The only summer movie yeah, in the whole series. Right. Which was because... I think it was Deathly Hollows Part 1. One of the Harry Potter movies had moved to that Thanksgiving. Mm. So they were just, like, mm. clearing the way. But can you imagine the actual all-out brawls that would have happened if the Harry Potter and the Twilight were showing at the same theater at the same time? You don't Ooh, understand the fandom fights. brawls that were happening because they were coming up. <laughs> like, the fandom was nuts. <laughs> like... Yeah, it's. <laughs> they would have just said, hey, let's just have a double screened theater and show them both at the same time and let's <laughs> just all be calm. <laughs> Please. Lots of fandom crossover. This one has a budget of $68 million. So that's compared to 37 and 50 for the last two, which means this one basically has double the budget of the first film. And it made $706 million. Which is the most so far and the second highest in the franchise overall. Damn. And this one got mixed reviews, but it has a 58 on Metacritic, which makes it the best reviewed of the entire series. <laughs> oh, better than the first. <laughs> yeah, I think the first one has 44 and then the last one had 56 and this one's got a 58. Wow. <laughs> People were really high on this at the time. Like, they liked the action they liked the jokes in it. And I can also say anecdotally from looking on Letterboxd, like a bunch of just random people's Twilight lists had this at the top. Really? Uh, and I've got a quote here from Genevieve Kosky of the AV Club, who wrote, Eclipse's action highs are higher, but its expositional lows are lower, particularly during the numerous scenes featuring Lautner. <laughs> 
Eclipse is still a mostly for fans only proposition, but it has more to offer outsiders than the previous two films in the Twilight Saga. <laughs> and that was a lot of the critical response to it, was that this one is sort of like the most accessible for anyone who's coming in and watching these and not really into them. I think there's a lot more, uh, I guess, to the world building that Stephanie Meyer put into the books that they didn't put into these movies mm. like starting mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. i would say from eclipse and breaking dawn that's the stats well fantastic now would be the time veronica we'll start with you the big question twilight saga eclipse flop or bop we're starting with me too okay uh <laughs> <clears throat> i would say that because of the fan service because of the action that this one had and because i have so many goofy and fun memories enjoying the movie it's gotta be a bop is it a bop that i'm gonna be watching anymore in the future i can't guarantee i cannot guarantee is it a bop that i'm showing my kids can't guarantee but was it a bop back when vk was a little 16 year old bop it was a bop so i honor that and I like saying bop. That's why I've said it so many times. Bop. <laughs> right on. Knives? Flop or bop? Oh, God. It's so hard to say what versus, like, when I first saw it and how it is now and how quite uncomfortable some of the scenes made me. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, now that you say that, I want to change my answer. <laughs> I forgot about that. I was so busy reminiscing. I'm like, oh, everything is so great. And then, yeah. And then you really watch the movie with clearer <laughs> okay, eyes. Okay, fine. You're right. <laughs> and it's got, and yeah, it's got to be a flop. <laughs> Bella, I love you. Guess who said that? Everyone. Everyone. <laughs> uh, Wade, flop or bop? Yeah, I don't want to be a downer, but I think this one is a massive flop. (laughs) I think this is absolute garbage. I think it's one of the worst movies we have ever covered on this podcast. (laughs) And I liked the last two, and I think this one is horrible. It is so badly directed. There is so much dead air. Like, what they do... This movie is uh, just a ton of scenes of two people talking to each other. And it's like, someone says one line. Wait 25 seconds. The next person (laughs) says the next line. Wait 25 seconds. Like, if they just edited out the time where people were sitting around and not talking, this movie would be an hour shorter. No one is (laughs) acting on their line. No, no. It's a long, long uh, film. Yeah. So I think it's just, like, not fun to watch. And also, it's so messed up. Like... For as manipulative and, like, emotionally abusive as Edward and Bella's relationship is, which hits Mm. new lows this week, I just want to talk to anyone who is Team Jacob after watching this movie. Like, (laughs) the stuff he does in this movie, like, you just could not put this movie out in 2021. It's Everyone would be arrested. It's horrible. Watching it again, I realized that Bella only spent time with Edward for a very long time, like in the books and in the movie, super manipulative. Looking back. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, I, I was like, wow, yeah. she really did only like see him for months and months. 
he is like so like isolating to her all yeah. the time of like taking away all her other connections and mm. and in this one he like makes her go see her mom to like trip her out of I, or he turns off her car that one night so that yeah. way she can't go and <laughs> see Jacob like yeah. bro too much <laughs> yeah she has not one <laughs> but two bad boyfriends <laughs> yeah <laughs> Woo! You're right. That is a flop. (laughs) Emmett, uh, flop or bop on this one? This is a flop. I feel feel completely confident in saying this movie is an utter flop. And the first piece of evidence that I would like to submit to the good people of the court in defense of this (laughs) argument is that uh, we, we talked about the color filter on the first movie, which is green. And everything is green and it's very weird. <laughs> the second one fixes that problem. And this one overcorrects and is like, there's like a white color filter on everything. And it was very like pale and weird and very bright. And I was like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, they just can't get the coloring right on it. So that was the very uh, nitpicky, geeky sort of answer on that. But I would say also, yeah, for all of the other reasons... Two bad boyfriends, a dad who is telling her not to be with those bad boyfriends for the wrong reasons, <laughs> no good supportive uh, friends, really, of any kind, but yeah. certainly no, like, supportive female friend. I know she, I know Alice is supposed to be her, like, friend who is, you know, sort of supportive, but she doesn't do a great job, and she's also super manipulative, and she can see the future, and she's always keeping secrets from her. <laughs> And so, like, yeah. that's not that's not good. Man. But, like, she needs some other person in her life, like, telling her, like, none of this is healthy. Her mom is completely absent. Go to college. Yeah, right? Yeah, and not in Alaska. Don't become a vampire, sis. No. Don't do it. Bella in this movie says that she wants to go to college to study science. She says the University of Alaska has a good science program. Yes. Well, <laughs> she's a great liar. <laughs> science. Oh, she's not even really going to college in Alaska. No. That's her cover story. <laughs> but, okay. But this is more proof that this movie is terribly directed because I didn't understand that that was a lie. I just thought she was going to college and that Edward would also be there and like some weird <laughs> some weird way. She's starting to set up her cover story. So, like, there's that whole moment where Edward's like, this could be the last time you see your mom mm-hmm. before you graduate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wink, look. wink. Yeah. Also, her mom wasn't going to come to her graduation. Her mom yeah. is, like, dating a baseball player. She can afford <laughs> the plane ticket. Uh, I was wondering that. I was like watching the graduation scene, and like you see her father in the back, and I was like, "Wait, her mom didn't come to her graduation." <laughs> That's how real. badly she hates forks. Damn. Like, She's lived with her dad for one year, and with her mom for the rest of her life, and she didn't come to her graduation. <laughs> Ridiculous. This movie is also a flop because of Kristen Stewart's bad wig. Like she has the yes. worst wig. <laughs> In the world during this. It looked like um, a couple different wigs. Yes, all of them. All of the hair pieces, everything that they tried to put on her head. So Kristen Stewart, right before, I guess, filming this, she finished filming the Runaways film where she plays Joan Jett. And so she cut all of 
all her hair off in like this like mullety you know well Joan Jett's hairstyle obviously and so like she just like she had to do that for that character or whatever so therefore they just put her on a whole bunch of wigs for this film and they just all are awful every scene they tried a different one they said all right bring out exhibit b (laughs) (laughs) and then just cycle through them things i think they went and found the old wig that taylor lautner had been wearing in the first one no (laughs) and brought it out of storage just dusted it off and threw it on her (laughs) dyed it a little bit a couple shades lighter Also, okay, in talking about inconsistencies in the directing, I want to hop on a couple of things here because we've got pretty well established in the first movie and pretty well followed through on in the second movie is that these vampires sparkle. It's completely made fun of by everyone, but these vampires sparkle. There's not very much sparkling going on in this movie. I thought the same thing. There's a lot of scenes where they're in like what seems to be a lot of sunlight and no sparkles. How does he visit her mom in Florida? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the question I have. Yeah. <laughs> Is he dressed in like a full raincoat the whole time? He's wearing a short sleeve shirt while staring at Bella talking to her mom. He's doing that invisible man thing of wrapping his whole yes. body in bandages. He said, I just got in a really bad fire recently. <laughs> yeah, it only happened at the beginning. It only happens It only happens in that one scene where yeah. she like sees him. Mm. And it's like when it's cute. So this is a movie that only does things when it's, like, convenient and cute for it to, and then forgets about those rules later on. I also thought it was cute in this movie. At one point, the first time we see Jacob, he shows up, he's got the jeans and the black t-shirt on. Classic look. I love that look myself. The extra small black t-shirt. Oh, yeah, the extra small black (laughs) t-shirt. Later on, we see Edward wearing the exact same outfit. And I was like, wait, he doesn't usually dress like this. He is trying that out because <laughs> she knows that she likes she really likes it. But on this point, do y'all see any chemistry between Bella and Jake in this movie? Is it ever present? Like, are you ever feeling that, like, will she, won't she? It just seems like no, right? This one, she's like, seems a lot more set where she's like, no, I'm with Edward. I'm with Edward. And that's the end. So I think it's more of like, they play into the fan service Mm, of it. mm -hmm. Of like, oh, we have to make pretend. But yeah, no, she definitely, like the whole time she's like, no, no, I said no. (laughs) Like Tries to punch him in the face. Breaks hand. I said no. She says no to both of them so many times and nobody cares about her boundaries. The only way is in the end where like the she goes to kiss him and that's because she's trying to like manipulate him into staying, not because like she wants to Mm -hmm. kiss him. Yeah. And I thought that was the moment that she became a vampire, like symbolically, Mm. because like the whole thing about vampires is like using their beauty and their sexuality to manipulate other people um one way or another and like i was Mm. like oh that's her doing the thing that edward has been doing to her this whole time and now she's she is becoming more like him and it's not a good thing for sure i mean a lot of those moments (laughs) so gross one of many (laughs) yeah we gotta just like we gotta talk about the jacob thing in this movie because he's so into her and she just tells him repeatedly that she's not into him and I think maybe in the last one, there's a little more like back and forth. But in this one, to your question, Emmett, I didn't think at any point that she had like any sort of attraction. For yeah, him exactly. Whatsoever. And then he like makes out with her without her wanting it. And you watch her like not moving while yeah. he does mm-hmm. it. 
Then she punches him and, like, says she doesn't ever want to talk to him again. The whole time he keeps being like, I'm going to make you admit your feelings for me mm-hmm. or whatever. I know you feel something for me. Yes, yes. He keeps saying, like, I know you are in love with me when she feels no type of way. And at the end, he's like, okay, I'm going to go kill myself unless you kiss me. And she does. Yep. And he still goes off. And, like, it's so messed up. It's horrible. Yeah, the relationship is awful and the way they try to explain this off which is also something that's going to be coming up in the next films is just <laughs> yeah it i can't wait to hear you guys definitely talk about lost that. me <laughs> both the books and the films lost me after eclipse i was like i can't i morally i cannot live with myself yes. i cannot consume this yeah. and still sleep at night so Another thing that doesn't make sense, rather, is how Jacob brings Bella into the reservation and into, like, these sacred spaces, mm-hmm. and she gets to hear these sacred stories, and she's is undeserving of it, in my opinion. I'm like, you just bringing her, and nobody knows her. This is not, this doesn't even make sense. Oh, 100%. Yeah, like, sure. those, yeah. And they try to, like, play that up, too, where she's just like, oh, I don't know if I should be here. And then he's like, mm-hmm. oh, whatever. It's fine. Other people are hearing it for the first time as well. And it's like, those people are part of the reservation. Yeah. yeah. They are yeah. going to be shape-shifting spirit warriors. They get to hear it. That's part of the thing. <laughs> he, he pretty much said, hey, I am written by someone who is not a native person. So come on in. <laughs> it's like, I am... Yeah. An, I am written without this culture in mind so do whatever you want let's go taylor lautner was like i'm not native american either (laughs) oh yeah that's what i said when i watched this too so it's it's fine me neither taylor lautner is like i'm white too it's okay i actually looked that up and it said that he it's very distant in in quotation marks very distant native ancestry i was like what does that mean well that's why he looks that way yeah like of yeah. course it has to be a little bit in his dna but he's not <laughs> yeah, yeah. But his there were no like specifics is what yeah. i meant it just was like distant yeah, yeah. <laughs> we talked about that a little bit last week because for new moon just for new moon they hired like a native american casting director so everyone who was in that one like had to show proof that they were Native American and, like, of their heritage. So, like, Hmm. everyone in that one is actually Native American. But obviously, Taylor Lautner, who was cast in the first one, isn't. And then they had also given that up by the time they got to this one. I could tell. I saw a whole white boy in that pack. I said, what is this? Yeah. (laughs) I said, come on now. (laughs) And uh, Leah, I think is her name, like Uh the new girl. Uh She's not Native American. And they wanted Vanessa Hudgens for that part, but couldn't get it. So clearly they had just given up on it by this point. Shut up! I had no idea. Yeah, I that. <laughs> wow. Our Ooh, problematic queen, Vanessa yeah. Hudgens. <laughs> she would ate that roll, though. Let me stop. I'm joking. <laughs> I have so many times on my notes here. Wait, actually, what? I just remembered some other crazy. <laughs> okay, <laughs> when they filmed that flashback that they tell the story, uh-huh. you know, of the third uh, wife. Oh yeah, they filmed it. With Kristen Stewart playing the third wife. No. Oh, that's not good. Wait. And they were like, it's supposed to be some sort of symbolic thing. But then they said that like in test screenings, people kept laughing at it. So they oh, refilmed it with <laughs> of a Native American actress playing that part. What 
what that's the... outrageous. They, I would laugh too. Is this, what, is this Commedia dell'arte? What is this? Am I, am I watching a little pageant wagon show? Crazy. Yeah. That would be insane. That scene was just wild. I forgot. I had forgotten that that scene was even in this movie until he brought it up again. But that was just nuts. Yeah. All of the flashbacks in this movie mm-hmm. have the visual identity of an SNL skit. <laughs> like, with the Confederate Army one and um, Rosalind's, like, Kill Bill one, uh-huh. where oh, she's, like, <laughs> in yes. the 20s. Like, those look and are acted like SNL skits. And when she walks in with the uh, wedding dress on. Uh-huh. <laughs> Such a dramatic moment. So <laughs> I used to be dramatic, whatever she said. Yes, sis, we, we see you. <laughs> I have so many times in my notes that I said, I just wish the acting was better. This scene would, like, maybe play, like, some of this, some of this problematic relationship with Jacob would play better if it was an actor who could sell it. Like, it wouldn't make the relationship good, but it would make the movie compelling, you know? Because, like, we see a lot of interesting bad relationships in movies, but this one just is a bad relationship that is also uninteresting. And you don't really like her and Edward in this one either. And they have that horrible sex scene. Uh, no, like no. we I was just imagining oh uh. being 14 and watching that with my parent, which I'm sure so many people did. That's the reason why we went. We're like, we got to see how this scene plays out in this movie. <laughs> It's like she unbuttons like two buttons and then he's like, no, I want to wait for marriage. I I don't want to go to hell. This was also like all during the Disney Channel purity ring, like stuff that was going on. So like the whole world, like all the like big name things were all like on this like purity wagon. That's kind of the weird thing is that Edward and Jacob are both sort of the bad boy, but they also are like both not. You know what I mean? Like, they're both sort of kind of like the dangerous hot guy in her life, but then both of them are also like, I just want to be monogamous and be married to you and not do anything (laughs) bad ever. And I just want to protect you always. Uh huh. Okay, so I was thinking about this, reading into some of the the subtextual things that might be going on in here with vampires as a symbol um, for things. It made me do a little deep dive. And so I got into the history of the vampire in culture. And let me tell you, it goes back always. For fans of Greek mythology and or history of religion, there's examples from both the Bible and from Greek mythology of vampires. Interestingly, both of these examples are women vampires preying upon men. So this idea of the vampire has always been connected with sexual deviancy with women and it's Mm. just transforms over the course of time and i'm going to take you through a a brief history of the vampire as sexual (laughs) symbol lilith the first woman before eve uh hebrew parts of the bible before it was even the christian bible lilith is the first woman created at the same time as adam not created out of his rib but created simultaneously she leaves the garden of eden after she refuses to become subservient to adam she says we were create both created equal in as much that we both came out of the dirt. So why should I have to submit to you? She was like, peace, I'm out of here. So she went out and she teamed up with uh, the Archangel Samael, who is a corollary to a character that will later be like Satan 
as like the accuser is the tempter. Um, not to go too deep down that history hole, but basically, like in the old school Bible version, uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing it, to be Satan. There's you know, he's like there to test humans for God as opposed to go against God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's like really the only time that she's mentioned in the Bible. But then like in the the Talmudic histories and like the lore and like Hebrew legends, uh, Lilith means a night creature or a screech owl or a night hag. It's associated with sexuality, with like wanton sexuality and with like the stealing of babies. And she's sometimes depicted as like having like a bird's feet and wings and it's like kind of where the idea of like the succubus, somebody who's draining the life force out of men comes from is like all tied up in her as like the female demon. So that's really interesting. Now we can kick it over to huh. the Greek history. These unfortunate shepherds in Greek history. <laughs> His name is My faves. In in Daimion, <laughs> I believe. And he was a shepherd who was like very beautiful he was a very beautiful young shepherd boy and he was obsessed with the moon and he loved to stay up all night and watch the moon as it uh, would go across the sky as he's out like guarding his sheep and the, he was so beautiful that the moon also became obsessed with him the moon the moon fell in love with him the moon is in greek mythology incarnate as selene and selene decided that she wanted to have him forever to be able to look at she makes a deal with Zeus and essentially puts this man under a spell where he will live forever, but he is asleep forever. So he is like in a kind of like sleeping beauty trance where she is and she goes and essentially like rapes him while he's asleep and has, I think like 50 children by him in the story. Yeah. It's some pretty crazy stuff. So, and that's also could also be seen as a form of vampirism of like draining the life force off of somebody and is like mm. all that like turning he she turns him immortal but she also like takes something from him in a really major like takes all of his agency away as well and Wild. this is this was like criticized by christian critics later as saying like this is why we need to destroy paganism because like if not women will behave like this those two are the ones from like ancient history and then of course we have bram stoker's dracula um written i think first published in the 18 late 1890s uh, and this yeah. is in the Victorian era, which was also a highly repressive era for sexuality, especially for women. So this flips the script and it makes the vampire a man. In the 1920s, we have Nosferatu, um, the first vampire put on <laughs> film, which is an incredible movie. I like cannot recommend it highly enough. It's so, so creepy. That kind of takes a lot of the sex out of it. He's a very gross vampire. It's not something that you want to, like, you would want to think about, like, seducing you at all. But later in the Dracula of the 1940s is Bella Lugosi. He's very suave. He's he's still threatening, but he has, like, something of, like, a classic gentleman to him and is, like, tricking his way in with that. Later, we get in the ni- in the 1980s, we get a little film called The Lost Boys, which is still... Mm. vampires as monsters they are very attractive you know they're played by Kiefer Sutherland Mm -hmm. and others and other young teen heartthrobs of the time and they're going around and there's a definite like air of them like preying on you know of, of them using their sexuality to help prey upon their victims then we get Anne Rice with Interview with a Vampire and this is really where the subtextual that has been like a commentary on whatever in society is now becomes 
like the textual because this vampire is sexy and this vampire is all about sleeping with anybody he can man or woman he is turning everybody into vampires um and we're gonna hear a little bit from him later and that's all we're gonna say about that right now (laughs) then later in 2008 twilight and true blood both hit the screens at the same time twilight on the big screen true blood on the small screen True Blood, the Mm. HBO series about vampires that has lots of vampire sex in it. And then the transformation was essentially complete at that point. It's interesting because it's uh, the whole like idea of this type of vampire too does definitely go back to Stephanie Meyer's writing. Mm. And her background is actually she's I forget which sector of Christianity she's a part of, but it's a very like She's a Mormon. That's what we're talking about next week. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So the, yeah. So that's a fun portrayal of like how, like why she portrays her vampires in this way, because she does come from that Mormon background. One thing that I think of after seeing the movie again, is just a lot of tension. Like Edward had all this jaw tension and this eye Mm. tension when Mm. he's looking at Bella. It's like, does he want to rip her throat out or does he want to kiss her? I was like, I don't get it. And <laughs> growing up, knowing how just sexually repressed we all were, mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. <laughs> growing up. And I'm like, oh, this, this tracks. <laughs> and that's the same reason now on the other side, I'm looking back and I'm like, woo, problematic with a capital P <laughs> this franchise is. And the fact that the target audience were kids, yeah. children. So mm-hmm. this is now like shaping how we perceive affection how we Mm. think we should be treated by partners uh normalizing that controlling aspect and this really toxic hawk watching someone Mm. it's just Mm. like and thinking that that is affection right man part of the thing that's interesting is i think like the boy movies of the time were like much worse than they are today like it was like transformers but it was stuff that was very much like strong masculine like ripped men being the ideals and you have like megan fox yeah and tiny shorts Mm -hmm. (laughs) yes bending over the car fixing the car i remember but not actually fixing it if you actually look at what she's doing you're like (laughs) so i think like something cool about this is that it's shows like a more feminine male ideal i guess even though all of his actions are messed up. But I feel like that's why it feels so weird whenever him and Jacob start beefing. Because it's like, I don't really think you guys are these like alpha male, stay away from my girl, fight in the parking lot dudes. And yet they like keep acting like they are. Yeah. And over Bella, I don't I don't believe it. Yeah. She's just chilling. Like Bella is just straight. She's like, y'all stop it. She's like, y'all, for real, let's not do this right here. It's not worth it. And they're like, no, we're going to throw down. And she's like, I'm, the stakes are low. <laughs> like, Bella's unbothered. Yeah. It's like, what does Bella even do? Like, she just sits in the car with Edward and they don't talk. That's the relationship. <laughs> and he just stares off into the distance <laughs> and clenches his jaw. <laughs> oh, wait. Question yeah. for you. Do we have any behind the scenes drama to talk about this week? We've covered a lot of it, but I guess the big thing that we should just talk about is Victoria being recast in this. Oh, I was wondering about that. I was like, is this the same Victoria? (laughs) Is it? I can't tell. I never saw her face enough in any of the other movies. So, In the last two movies, she was played by Rochelle Lefebvre. Mm -hmm. And in this one, she's played by Bryce Dallas Howard. No way. (laughs) Who looks pretty different than she does now. I was also Mm -hmm. like... 
I knew it was her, but I was still like, is that her? Apparently, they had originally asked her to play it in the first one, and she turned it down because it was basically just like a cameo in that first mm-hmm. one. Although, she's not in much of this movie. She's not. She is like the one running the things, but it is much more that other guy mm-hmm. who is like the actual antagonist of the movie. But anyway, they said that it was a scheduling conflict with the actress is why she didn't return. Mm-hmm. There was some sort of like back and forth where she had taken like a 10 day shoot on something else. And she said that that was in her contract and the studio was like, no, it wasn't. Mm. But they were just basically like it was a scheduling contract. There was nothing we could do. And then she said that she was stunned and greatly saddened by the announcement. Damn. So I don't know. I just wonder if they had wanted Bryce Dallas Howard from the beginning, if they were like, this is Victoria's movie. Let's get her out of here. This is a great excuse. Yeah. (laughs) It was also funny when I was reading about this, they kept saying, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, who you might know from Spider-Man 3. Is she in Spider-Man 3? I guess so. I guess she, I think Hmm. she's Gwen Stacy in that for like one minute. This is the only time. (laughs) Truly, that I have ever seen Bryce Dallas Howard in a movie and not thought it was Jessica Chastain. So I'm stunned to find out that it was Bryce Dallas Howard in this movie. (laughs) Well, it's funny because when I think of her now, I think of like the Jurassic World movies Mm -hmm. or like her directing stuff. She directs a lot of The Mandalorian and some other stuff. But in this, like, she she had done Spider-Man 3, she did Terminator Salvation, she did this. She was very much in like the mainstream like evil redhead big okay. flop sort of stage of her career <laughs> she knows her type <laughs> interestingly lilith is supposedly an, also an evil redhead go figure maybe there's yeah. deeper connections she was maybe trying to work the same in than we person. thought they're the same oh there it is victoria is lilith <laughs> another thing that ended up on the cutting room floor is when jacob and bella have their big kiss at the end of the movie mm-hmm. it originally cut to a scene they filmed that was like the rest of jacob and bella's life like a flash forward of them growing old together weird uh and apparently it was another one of these test screening (laughs) scenes that didn't work because of whatever (laughs) old age makeup they had on them is what they said (laughs) the hair and makeup department in this film (laughs) (laughs) the costume department they were doing their absolute best y'all they said we're here they're cutting us a check we got we are here to do the job that we can do with the budget that we've got (laughs) yeah they they use 60 of that 68 million dollars on that one scene with the cgi wolves i think you're right about the costumes like in the first two they feel very much of the time Mm -hmm. like you Mm -hmm. see a lot of the like 2008 style Mm -hmm. in those and this one, everyone's in, like, very just, like, utilitarian, plain, dark shirts and jeans yeah. the whole time. I was like, the Cullens T-shirts, raided hoodies. the X-Men's wardrobe for that final battle. That's even what the bad guy wears, too. He is so nondescript. That poor <laughs> actor who you know has not booked a gig since Eddie Redmayne started being in Things. <laughs> That's true. That's so true. You know, looking at that guy. There was a point in the movie where he showed his face on screen and I was like, have I seen him before? 
do I know what he's doing in this movie? <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that's that's how I felt. I feel like you were pointing out things like this earlier. At the end where they sort of ask about the Volturi being involved in what was going on. Yeah. I was like, is this a thing? Because yeah. I don't remember them ever mentioning that the Volturi may have been tied up in this. Well, the Volturi are there watching them as it's all, as it's like all playing out. And she's like, well, uh-huh. what do we do? And they're like, we can do this or we can do this. Choices, choices. And then they don't say, they don't say what they're going to do. <laughs> and you don't ever find out what they do. Unless they kill that girl who she wrote the whole novella about just so that they the Cullens never find out that the Volturi were behind it. But you see them, like, investigating it earlier, but you never see any implication that they were behind it. No, so they definitely weren't behind mm. it, mm-hmm. um, but they, like, they did want the drama to happen. Like, they were yeah. just like, mm. yeah, let, let, let's They even see. act super sus <laughs> yeah. when they show up. <laughs> At the end, they're like, oh, we're late. Oh, just like that. Uh huh. Just strolling. Oh, 30 minutes ago, a lot happened. We just got here. <laughs> we had no idea. Oh my God. <laughs> There's blood everywhere. Oops. I'm just going to ask you who the protagonist is and what they want. Knives, we can start with you. I'm so bad at these. I failed English. I watched her fail it. I was sitting next to her. <laughs> <laughs> protagonist. The antagonist is way easier, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> really? They're both hard. Yeah, I'm just going to go with Bella. And her objective is to keep her two boyfriends from killing each other. <laughs> okay, two boyfriends. <laughs> I, I buy that. Ah, yeah. yeah. And who's the antagonist? I would say it's uh, Victoria. It's, it's her whole revenge plot is what this movie is supposed to be. None of this plot would happen if it wasn't for her. Veronica, what do you think about this? Pretty much the same if we're going by the formula of the protagonist slash antagonist being one person. Definitely would be Bella being the protagonist, the antagonist being Miss Redhead. And Bella's objective, I think, being to transition as peacefully as possible into her uh, vampire life, Mm. like as seamless Mm. as she could possibly do it wait i think i think it's bella i think victoria is like the antagonist but also the other guy is more functionally like the other guy is who most of the movie is about but he's not the one with the personal grudge Mm. he's like ultimately Mm. just being manipulated you know i thought for most of the movie that victoria was not even going to be like really addressed in this movie Mm -hmm. they were saving her again for later like last one but then her death is like brutal yeah and so is his his was pretty rough as well because it's like they're like letting him know like yo the only reason you're alive is because she's been mm-hmm. manipulating you this whole time and he's like what <laughs> what's he's going like, on sides. <laughs> i feel like she probably wants the same thing she does in the last movie which is what i think makes it sort of weird narratively, like you were talking about, Emmett, Mm. is that I think that she just still wants to, like, find a way to be with Edward forever. She just still wants to, like, secure that, like, permanent, long-term relationship with him. Like, that's what she's... She's holding off on marrying him in order to secure that thing as, like, leverage, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. What did you think, Emmett? Oh, before I share with you what I think, I would like to share with you what Caroline thought of it, my younger sister. We, We watched this together... Um, she <laughs> fell asleep for a good chunk of it, but at the end, I asked her 
who do you think the protagonist of this movie was? Because I was truly at a loss. But this is what Caroline said. The protagonist is literally no one. I'm even tired of Alice. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, can I say something? Yes. I think that her dad has a crush on Alice. Yes. That we see in this movie. Yuck. And I ship it. No, I ship it. I would. I want to see them together. Yeah. But she's technically a high. Well, she's not high schooler, Mm. but to him. That's true. That's fair. But she's technically like hundreds of years old. Yeah. So. And that actress is probably thirty when she's playing it too. So at least forty. So it's probably. not. It's not like that weird. <laughs> My problem here is that I don't think anybody does anything in this movie to be worthy of being a protagonist. I think the person <laughs> who takes like maybe the most, like has the most stuff going on with them in this movie is Edward. That's purely based on the one scene in the tent, which is like the only good scene of acting, yeah. and it's only half. Well, good. what's what's the change? That's the question we always yeah, ask. Yeah, what's what is out, the right? change? Like, who makes the change at the end of this movie? Okay, so she says, mm-hmm. she says, it's not just about you. I want to be a vampire because this is my world. Like this weird, supernatural, crazy stuff is like the first time I've ever really felt like I was in the right place seems to me that's what convinces him is that he's that she's doing it for more than just the one reason that is also confusing to me i don't know how that falls like narratively like within her arc is her arc that she discovers that she wants to be a vampire for more reasons than to be with edward but i still don't i don't even know if i believe it in that moment either i like the answer that she's trying to keep her boyfriends from killing each other I think that I, I do think that's like a pretty actionable thing that she's doing over the course of this movie. Do you think if it was today they would just all be in a relationship? Like the three of them would just all date each other? There have to have been some stories written about werewolves, vampires, and humans since then that like bring in the polyamorous uh dynamic into it or like you know, like how boring that all these relationships are straight, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> like all yeah. of them are a, like a heterosexual two-person relationship. All of them. <laughs> and like the whole thing about being a vampire is a sexual deviancy. There's very little sexual deviancy going on. Well, when Bella is in exile in the last movie, who is she writing every single day? It's not Edward. It's not Jacob. It's Alice. Damn. <laughs> okay. Who is she emailing? That's and getting true. those return to sender emails. <laughs> That's true. And saying how much she misses. Not Edward. Not Edward. No. I'm sure she had Not Edward's Edward. email. I'm sure he was emailing her MP3s yeah. every day back in 2008 for her to listen to. Death cab for cutie MP3s. Oh. No. Oh my god. No. Veronica, we'll start with you again. We'll flip it back around. We'll go with the MVP. OTP, your most valuable player other than the protagonist. Oh, other than, other, you said one true pairing, sorry. Oh. <laughs> My brain was on some fanfic. Fandom mode. <laughs> Fandom mode, like. Well, I will. I would also love to hear that now that I know that that's a thing, so. <laughs> Yay! I want to say Bella's mom, sort of. Also the council leader maybe mm-hmm. who's telling mm. the stories who's recounting the story while looking dead at bella's eyes like dead into her eyes and is like yeah you but i do like her mom only because she's the one who really keeps it real with bella she's like hey uh edward's intense 
<laughs> it's love, I guess, but it's, it's there's a lot. She seems to be the only one who's really picking up on how much everything is. I don't know. She also didn't go to her daughter's graduation, so what? <laughs> Grounds for me to hate her at this point. And my OTP, Bella and Bella and Jacob. That makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> only because homegirl has to become a vampire to kick it with edward she doesn't have to but she's choosing to and i think that Mm. that's just super drastic like the one thing that made sense in the movie (laughs) was when jacob was like to be with me you don't have to change i was like that's that's sounding pretty lit to me also you don't have to be with him either it's not like you (laughs) but when he was like you don't have to do anything just as you are and i was like that sounds real nice yeah and they don't have to they don't have to get married or change her into a vampire he's like i will just sleep with you it's like, I I'm, it's like, look, it's good. Also, I will have sex with you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're here. Might as well. It's like, yeah. So that's why I say that. Nice. MVP for this one. I'm going to go with Rose. I really enjoy learning more about her backstory. <laughs> Wade looks confused. I'm just... There are a lot of characters to keep track of in this movie. <laughs> the blonde one. She's oh, the vampire uh-huh, sister. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes. Mm-hmm. I thought you would have said Alice. See, okay, here's the thing. I love Alice a lot. She was my favorite character of all time. But Alice in this this movie, you don't learn anything about her. She doesn't really do she throws a party. <laughs> she can throw a mean party. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> but within this movie, I'm, I'm going to say Rose because she's the one that's like one of the only ones that fully understands like Bella's like situation and is still giving her like this advice of like, are you sure you want to do this? Like, can you actually think about this for a minute? Because this is not a decision I would have made. And for my OTP, I'm going to go with Alice and Jasper because I they were... knew it. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> I know. F- fan service was when she jumped out of the tree and landed in his arms and just yeah. gave him a kiss. I was like, knives oh, just yeah. rolled like, over oh when she God. saw that. Oh I, okay. I could feel you. I was like, she is living <laughs> right now. <laughs> Truly. Alice was my crush throughout like reading the books like Mm. i was in love with her Mm. so i think just the way she is in a relationship and everything like the way she is with jasper like she helps soften him and everything i feel that i get you Mm. girl wait i would be lying if i said i didn't have the most fun watching jasper in this movie okay mostly (laughs) because he was living yeah (laughs) yes he was taking it so seriously and that was a lot of fun my actual mvp this week is someone who I don't think is anyone ever anyone's favorite. I was reminded of Rick Ross when he says, over a decade, still nobody's favorite, when thinking about Kellen Lutz as Emmett. <laughs> <laughs> who kind of has drawn the short end of the stick here because he's playing like the football jock. Yep. He doesn't get a lot of character development. And maybe the people who are really into this series are not the people who are really into football jocks, if that's fair to say. So I think he he has, like, the short straw to work with. But I think he's pretty funny. I think he fully commits to the role. And um, this week he just has some moment where he's talking to Bella and he goes, Badass. 
<laughs> and that really got me. And when he did that, I wrote down MVP. So I don't think he says anything else the rest of the movie, but he's who I'm sticking with. <laughs> Emmett, who's your MVP? Well, do you have a one-tree pairing, Wade? Um... My one-true pairing is Carlisle and Bella. I will not elaborate on that in any way whatsoever. You don't have to. (laughs) No. (laughs) So my MVP is going to be when the the Volturi roll up. There's four of them, right? There's Mm -hmm. Dakota Fanning. There's the big guy. There's the other guy. Yeah. And then there's a guy who stands in a cool ballet pose while they... Yes! <laughs> and I was like, you're the only one standing like a vampire actually would. You are my MVP, sir. <laughs> Especially a vampire that old? Nah, they they were doing point yes. ballet. They were... <laughs> Everybody else just standing there like a lug, like, Bleh. you know. That was a character mm-hmm. choice. Yeah. He said, I'm going to make an acting choice right here, right now. That's different from all the others. Mm-hmm. And it's only in like half a shot. It's so good. So that guy, whatever, whoever, whatever character, whatever actor. Emmett, that's Cameron Bright. I'm just reading here. He also plays the kid in X-Men The Last Stand. The little. The like. (gasps) No way. The the bald headed kid. Oh, yeah. That's so. That is the connections there. So good. I think he was your MVP. On that episode. He might have been. Or mine. I'm not sure. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And my one tree pairing. I'm going to go with um, Jacob and Leah. I think they got chemistry. Mm. I think there's something going on there. He's like pissed that she's there. And you know what that means. Like when you're 16, you know what that means. (laughs) And she's like protective of him, but also pissed about Bella being there. And you know what that means. (laughs) I think I, I, I was, I was like so in for more to happen with her character in, as a whole. Mm. Ooh, yeah, I like that. Okay, moving right along. Too many bodies to count, both dying and re- the revealed male form as well. There was too much of it for me to even keep track of, even if I had wanted to. Um, but I will just say <laughs> this is certainly the most violent of the three that we've seen so far. Um, a lot of mm. brutal beheadings. Like there's a Game of Thrones level of beheadings in this movie. <laughs> it is really wild, and I think that Taylor Lautner appears with clothing on a full one time in this movie. So, and he's in a lot of this movie. Once yeah. is he wearing a shirt? <laughs> That's true. So talk about the fan service, you know. Now. We are going to move on to a part of the show that I'm calling Interview with a Vampire. It is our quiz segment. (laughs) And this week, it's especially exciting because not only is it called Interview with a Vampire, but the two vampires that we are going to be interviewing today are... Oh, now I can't remember that guy's name. Leteau? Lestat? Lestat. Yes, Lestat from from uh, Interview with a Vampire and Edward Cullen. Specifically, I was trying to pull quotes from this uh, book, but they might be from across the series. So it's going to be quotes from those two. I'm going to read a quote and everybody gets to guess whether it was Edward or Lestat who said it. All right. Okay. Don't be afraid. I'm going to give you the choice I never had. I think that's Lestat because I don't think Edward is trying to change anyone. Mm. 
Although, I don't know. I don't know. I could be wrong, but that's what I'm saying. All right. Veronica? My first inclination is to say that it's Edward, but I hesitate because of the asking instead of just doing, because I feel like Edward just does a lot. Mm. Uh, But I'm going to go with Edward anyways, because that's what my, my gut says. Yeah, my gut reaction was Edward as well. Okay, that's a point for Wade. That was, in fact, Lestat. Damn. All right. Next up, do I dazzle you? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sounds very Edward to me. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, it definitely sounds like Edward. All right. Yeah, I'm... I'm going to go for Edward. (laughs) Okay, that's a point for everybody there. Uh, You're correct. That is Edward Cullen. I may not be human, but I am a man. Uh, I'm going to go with Edward. I'm going to go with Edward again. I'm going to go with the other guy. I don't know how to say his name. I'm going with Edward. All right. Knives and Wade, you've got it. That was (sighs) Edward Cullen. I feel like I can see it on Knives' face when she recognizes (laughs) one of these from the books. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just helping me in this quiz so far. <laughs> Damn it, Peter. The dark gift is different for each of us, but one thing is true for us all. We get stronger as we go along. Uh, this is hard because I don't think that Edward would use the word dark gift. <laughs> but that is a th- that is a thing in this series, which I don't know is another thing that like every vampire has one special superpower. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go for... I am going to go for Lestat, though. It doesn't sound like Edward. Yeah, I'm going to go for Lestat. Point for everyone. That is, in fact, Lestat who says that. No one could resist me. Not even you. Yeah, I'm going to go for Lestat again on that one. I'm going to go for Edward. Edward. Oh, no. Wade, you're correct. Oh, really? The full line, which I couldn't say without spoiling it, is no one could resist me. Not even you, Lewis. <laughs> Which I think is incredible. I do think Edward says that in the series at some point. Something similar sure. to that. I just admitted to stalking her, and she was smiling. That's definitely some Edward. Edward's all about that stalking. But he'd never say it. In his head? I don't know. But I'm sticking with Edward on this one. I'm going to go with Lestat. I'm going to go for Lestat. This was kind of a, a cheat one. It is Edward, but it's from Midnight Sun, the book that is written from his perspective. Ah, uh, uh, okay, yeah. Yeah. You are a vampire who never knew what life was until it ran out in a big gush over your lips. I'm going for Lestat, because that does not sound like a Stephanie Meyer line to me. <laughs> yeah, I don't see how that can relate to the vampires of the twilight series rush out of your yeah uh lestat for sure i think yeah lestat (laughs) all correct uh there's (laughs) there's more sensual vampires i guess you have to go to anne rice for that so eager for eternal damnation i think that's edward sounds familiar definitely edward i'm certain it's edward all correct again you're intoxicated by my very presence I'm going with Edward again. Okay. Of course, Edward. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, Edward. I'm sorry. I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, assumed, I assumed we all knew that. It was just, yeah, just... yeah. Of course. <laughs> it's definitely. Our final, our final one. I assume I need no introduction. I'm going to go with Lestat. Lestat. 
I think it would be it would have to be someone very specific. Edward was saying that too. Mm. Yeah, if there's anyone in the Twilight universe that I think would say that, it would be Jacob. Mm. Just the energy of that. So I'm gonna go with Lestat because I. Yeah, same. Well, Wade, this is your first time winning a Cinema Bums quiz with a full (laughs) ten out of (laughs) ten. Did I really? Yeah, you did. Wow. (laughs) So very impressive. It sounds like I really want to, after reading some of those, I want to go uh, check out Interview with a Vampire, at least the movie, if not the the novel. It seems more exciting. Yeah, definitely. I read the book in high school because we had it. I'm not sure which of my parents had read that and (laughs) had it around the house, Uh but we had it. I haven't seen the movie, though, but I remember it being good. Are there any final thoughts about this movie? We are wrapping it up. Man, what a time. Yeah, what a time (laughs) in our lives it was to be a part of this franchise. Just thinking back on all, like, the, God, that whole marketing scheme of Team Edward versus Team Jacob Mm -hmm. and the how badly they pushed it throughout this whole movie genius i mean it worked everyone had a team you asked it on any interview show like it was on all the late night talk shows literally (laughs) everyone had their team they were team edward team jacob brilliant for them (laughs) i guess my hot take is uh not only about the movie but more so about how interesting it's been to see the three leads of these films how they've in some ways how they just have grown since doing this this film right and how in many ways they've kind of run from this <laughs> mm-hmm. and they've tried and it's and it's followed them everywhere anytime they do a project it, it's kind of like oh aren't they from twilight oh twilight now they still hold their own and are trying to create art and doing it so also problematic <laughs> i want to go back and talk to younger me <laughs> put the book down yeah put the highlighter down <laughs> drop the pen put the book away and do your homework <laughs> Yeah, this one is so problematic. I don't know. I don't know why it's so many people's <laughs> favorites, because i got to say it was the least fave for me so far. <laughs> yeah. But I am excited to see. I know uh, when we were talking about the original one, she said that her idea for a sequel was Breaking Dawn. Mm. And then she like went back and wrote these two in the middle because they wanted to have more books. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I'm like interested to finally get to wherever we were getting to from the beginning. Yeah, she really spun out that middle part a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to hear about you guys and what you guys think about the oh, last Oh, boy. Two. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. You're gonna... Woo! Man. <laughs> praying for you both. All right. <laughs> it's gonna be a journey. Oh, I'm excited for it. But the only other thought I have about this movie is that they try and tell us that Seth is 15... And Jacob is 17. <laughs> I'm not buying it. I'm sorry. He is nine and Taylor Lautner is 24. <laughs> True. <laughs> Truly. I mean, all of them are, even, I don't see how the Cullens were passed off as high schoolers. I'm looking at them, I'm like, y'all are whole adults. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> whole mm-hmm. adults. Mm-hmm. Any plugs that you might have for projects that you're working on other than your excellent podcast the fan base yeah if you're looking to find our work you can follow uh first of all fan base podcast uh, at fan base podcast on instagram twitter all of the things 
I have some personal things that I do, and if you want to follow me, you can follow me at VKOK on Instagram. Do a lot of weird things, so. Cool. She does a lot of fantastic things, actually. I love you, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) You should check out her TikTok. It's very funny. (laughs) That's my friend, y'all. That's my best friend, (laughs) y'all. And, yeah, I don't really post at all online except for when it's fan base but if you want to check out my instagram it's knives double (laughs) underscore because knives was already taken and knives underscore was already taken so knives double underscore (laughs) excellent well it's been quite the pleasure and such an honor to have you here today uh this is our first crossover episode with another podcast and i'm so happy that it got to be all i can't wait to hear more about what you have to say about avatar and other other fandoms as you go along and i hope we get to have you back again sometime when we discuss oh yes please. the, the works you. of m night Shyamalan. oh my god i can't don't commit to i know i know we can't I... <laughs> all right oh well uh join us next week dear listener uh when we discuss the twilight saga breaking dawn part one uh, part of that slew of films in that 2010s area where they were splitting them up into multiple parts to get the last book in the mm-hmm. series right. Mm-hmm. have a lot to say about that at some point. So <laughs> tune in next week for that. Thank you guys so much for inviting us yes. on. We, I had a blast. Uh, this was so yes. much fun. Yeah, Thank you for, for letting us here. giggle <laughs> and crack jokes on this wonderful podcast with y'all. Hell yeah. Thank you. And... Uh, Stay frosted, everybody. Cinema Bums is a production of DKG Podcast. It is created and produced by Wade Lawrence Holloman and me, Emmett Temple. Wade also edits and mixes this podcast. Our theme music is by Zane Holloman, who you can find on Bandcamp, and our show art is by Autumn Beckner. Our social media is managed by Laura Bennett. If you like what you hear, please tell all your friends and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, the two best ways to spread the word about our work. You can also follow us on Instagram at cinemabums or email us at cinemabumspod at gmail.com. Don't flake on us. We'll be back next week.